Swanson to first. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl 55 champions, led by Tom Brady. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. And Lightning has struck twice. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of February of For Future Considerations, the Brian Lawton episode, you may suggest, episode number 98 of For Future Considerations. My <laughs> name is Matt, John, and Manny here, of course. Gentlemen, how do you like that pick? That's pretty good. <laughs> Not bad. Only three <laughs> players in NHL history have ever worn number 98, if we were going to do that. Who are the Brian other Lawton two? being one of them. Jesse Polviari was uh, is at one, and uh, Mikhail uh, Sergachev. That was going to be my answer. Uh, yeah, Sergachev, who the Montreal yeah. Canadiens should never have traded away. No, Tony Saragusa. If you want him, if we're going to go NFL, where everybody's in the NFL mood, Julian Peterson, number ninety eight as well. So there's a there's a couple at ninety eight. Hmm. Didn't Mike Ditka wear ninety eight? Oh, I don't know. I would hope he was on the list if he wasn't. Yeah, well. I'm looking this up right now. That's a <laughs> that's a smack in the face of Mike Ditka if he's not on this list that I'm going off of. It's a pretty intense list I have here. <laughs> Is it? You've got <laughs> doesn't include Mike Ditka? Come on. <laughs> the one and only number ninety-eight from the NFL in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Wow. Is Mike Ditka. And here I am looking at uh, a, a different source uh, for information here. Number on the article of the best player to wear every jersey number. And it's got Julian Peterson, others of note, Tony Saragusa. Those guys couldn't hold the candle to Ditka, could they? To Mike Ditka? Yeah. He was on Saturday Night Live, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> next to peyton manning the second greatest host right he was great <laughs> oh man number n- boys we're running out of uh athletes to name if we're up to 98 know, already we're gonna have to come up with some we have to just scrap the first uh 99 episodes and redo this whole damn thing anyway so <laughs> The Warren Moon episode, episode number one. Just, Welcome to the show. Just started nice at, to meet you all. Don't for, forget about the first of the three digits. This start at one again, right? Yeah, that's right. We're just going to go all over again. Did you guys see? I might have to fight you. The Kirk McLean edition. Oh. Was he number one? <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a great pull. That's a great pull. So, Ozzy Smith. Oh, Ozzy Smith oh, is good. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, He's a wicked number one. So, uh, John, you'll get appreciate this. As I was growing up, uh, and we play road hockey and ice hockey growing up, there was um, one of my good friends was a huge Vancouver Canucks fan. So you, right. are, you are the second Vancouver Canucks fan that I ever met. And <laughs> he loved Kirk McClain. <laughs> loved him he was a goalie had the jersey had the v yeah. jersey with oh Kirk yeah McClain. wait 
And uh, one of the last real stand-up goalies in a lot of years in the NHL, he too. He did not use the butterfly at all. He was always on his feet. Wasn't he five foot five though? Like he, I, I don't know. I honestly really <laughs> no, he was, he was pretty tall. I think actually. <laughs> uh, and hey, I'm, I'm assuming we'll talk about Hall of Famers if we're going to talk about number one. Should be Hall of Famer Lou Whitaker. Put him on the list. Too. Sweet Lou. Oh yes, yes. Lou. yeah. Hey, did you guys Absolutely. see the Canadian soccer match against the U.S. on the weekend? Before the football? He's going to take it himself! Sad Anakumi! It'll Anakumi! I saw the second <laughs> half, actually. <laughs> so I, you woke up from your nap late is that what you're saying or that's right that's right <laughs> and, and i saw um, through my damn notifications that the canadian soccer team played again <laughs> <laughs> the thing that struck me is uh, the u.s had a lot of possession in that match for the part that i watched and um Canadian uh, goaltending was very, very good. And then the other thing that struck my wife while she was watching is she was like, man, those guys look cold. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of pink pink noses and pink ears in that match. <laughs> it was great that the game was in Hamilton, but boy, was it cold. I had a few friends on my oh. Facebook feed who went. And they were oh, like, wow. they had scarves and toques and like parkas they were wearing. And I'm like, if, if those guys are wearing that, and the players on the pitch are in shorts. No kidding. How cold are they? <laughs> yeah. I always, I always love the hot and cold mix when you can see the steam coming off these guys. Like they're just coming out of a sauna. Yes. <laughs> they're just standing there, just pouring like a chimney off their shoulders. <laughs> and and the weather gets credit for Canada's first goal because the goalie kick died in the wind and dropped right down. It was amazing. <laughs> Love it. Home field advantage, boys. That's what it's all about. That's right. You work all year for that. <laughs> and Canada plays El Salvador Wednesday night. So if you guys aren't doing anything, nine yeah, o'clock game. Out. Yeah, I'm going to check that out for sure. Matt, you might want to turn off your notifications after that game is yeah. over. <laughs> Great, here, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll recap in the OT just how much sleep I got Wednesday night. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, and so with all those headlines over the last week, we have lots to debate on this show. We also got some feedback from last week's show, too, and we have um, some listener questions that I'm going to ask you. But first, let's start with the big story. Wide to the left. Brady looking the other way. Brady going deep down the right side. Line for Evans. He makes the catch. He's in for the score. That was Tom Brady's last touchdown pass of his NFL career after he announced his retirement on Tuesday, ending Dave's of speculation. I couldn't take that roller coaster. It's just like, if you're going to dump us, just dump us. Don't string us along, Tom. Come on. Wow. Did you have flashbacks, Rashad, or what's going on? I know. It's like, you're ghosting me. Just give me an answer. So did you guys think he was going to play one more year, or did you think that was it? I'm surprised that all the leaks came out with Schefter and, and everybody else and, and then how he was talking right afterwards about he hadn't even talked to the team yet about his decision and, and all that. I'm surprised he actually said it as 
quickly as he did after all that came over, just for that same reason, Rashad, like just drag it out a little bit more and and make these guys uh, make these guys sweat a little bit. See, I think he recorded his podcast and had to wait for it to come out on Monday. And then, but he had to announce it before the next week's podcast because they had recorded that a couple of weeks prior too. Right. And they had to wait at least a few days before the announcement <laughs> would come out. I actually thought he was going to play one more year. Uh, he, he said he wanted to play till he was 45. And he is 44. So I actually thought he was going to play one more year. But as soon as the speculation came out on Saturday, I thought, okay, this is done. This is over. He's done with. Yeah, agreed. I, I I thought the same thing. I thought he had maybe one more year in it, and and I think for him, ultimately, it is basically a reflection of what he thinks of the, I guess you could say, skyline of the NFC. Um, I think he thinks that there are some teams out there that are going to be there for a while, and I think he may have seen the clock kind of running out himself. Uh, but to end on a on a high like he did, and to go out at the time that he did, is 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 a surprise for sure. But um, you know, deservingly so. Guys don't often, especially in the NFL, you often don't get to go out the way you want. Sometimes you go out with an injury, and that's the end of you. So I mean, why not leave on that note right there? I mean, you can't. Yeah, you can't. And Jalen, Jalen Ramsey with uh, one of the tweets of the uh, of the retirement making note that the last touchdown pass that Tom Brady ever threw was to Mike Evans over Jalen Ramsey. That's him. There's <laughs> it was a pretty pretty good uh, pretty good tweet. The Jets were great on social media, but the Colts yeah. the Colts took the cake for me. I thought the Colts with the SpongeBob, yeah. yeah. If you haven't seen that, go to their Twitter or Instagram feed and see what the Colts did. It was amazing. <laughs> it was awesome. And then also on social media, a good friend of the podcast, Robert uh, Scribner, asked, uh, do you think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, or do you think Deflategate and Spygate will keep him out for a few years, the way the uh, Major League Baseball or the Baseball Hall of Fame likes to keep it really pure? Oh, Scribs, you're better than that. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man. Yeah. He's, He's literally, literally the greatest player that's ever played the sport. And there's still absolutely nothing to show Spygate or Deflategate had any sort of impact on on anything, looking at what the rest of his career looked like. No, forget it. That's that's gonna be laughed at when when he goes in. If anything, those two storylines are more about the Patriots and Belichick and less about less, less about Tom Brady. You know, um I, normally this is how much I think of Tom Brady's career is normally you have to wait five years before you're even considered for the hall of fame with what Tom Brady accomplished. They should get rid of the five year window and just make him eligible for the next vote because he's a shoe in he's an unanimous automatic first ballot hall of fame. Yeah, absolutely. Of all of the accolades in his career, the seven Super Bowl titles, the five Super Bowl MVPs, the three overall NFL MVP awards, which one of those stands out for you guys the most? For me, the fact that he was, he had in his career, in his NFL career, he had been targeted as a receiver three times, caught the ball three times. (laughs) For 63 yards. But you know what the one thing Tom Brady does not have on his resume? He does not have a receiving touchdown 
in his entire NFL career, he has never caught a touchdown pass. I think that's insane. I mean, look, the guy won. How much more do you have to look at it? He won seven Super Bowls. He won seven Super Bowls in a dynasty, left the dynasty, started a new one with basically just him, and he brought his buddy along, and all of a sudden they turned into a rock star team. I mean, the, the fact that, that you know, he probably could have gone anywhere and turned anybody into a champion at, at any time, I think is is. We can go as dig as deep as you want into the numbers. Look at seven Super Bowls, five MVPs, and he was a sixth round draft pick out of college at the University of Michigan. Go blue! You know when he gets when he gets drafted in the sixth round. Again, you're you know you're getting a, a maybe a backup quarterback in the sixth round most times. Maybe a third string that's on your practice squad. Not the greatest player of all time. Ah, you know, I, I totally agree of the the things that's and we have to remember too. He retires as the all time NFL leader in passing with over eighty four thousand career passing yards and six hundred and twenty four touchdowns. Like that's incredible. And he played till he was forty four. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> that's insane. Um, you know, I I think the seven Super Bowls stand out because I don't think. We'll see anybody match that. Like Patrick Mahomes may be the other greatest quarterback right now, and he has one in five years. Mm-hmm. If he plays 22 years like Brady did, at this pace, he's going to win four rings. Brady mm-hmm. won seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. Another good listener of the podcast, Chris, when we asked on our social media feed if Tom Brady is the greatest QB of all time, he said no, Joe Montana, because Joe Montana went 4-0 and in the Super Bowl, where Brady went 7-3 and and lost to Eli Manning and Nick Foles in the big games. So, I, Chris, I appreciate you commenting on that. I disagree with you. Yeah. I think Tom Brady going to the championship 10 times and having a 700 winning percentage is pretty remarkable. Look at some of this. Tom Brady retires with more Super Bowls than any other franchise (laughs) at seven. He, in his 20s, passed for 147 touchdowns. In his 40s, passed for 168 touchdowns. And this is one that Manny's going to love. The Dallas Cowboys came into existence in 1960. Tom Brady started as a starting quarterback in 2001. To date, the Cowboys and Brady have each won the same number of NFL postseason games. (laughs) Love it. The same amount. It gave him a 50-year head start. (laughs) Take that, Cowboys fans. And America's team can't hang. With the greatest quarterback of all time. We need a Stephen A. Smith laughing meme to come into the podcast right about this. <laughs> come right now. <laughs> Although I have to dispute one thing you said, Matt. You said that Tom Brady caught was three for three in receptions. Yes. Yeah. But he dropped one in the Super Bowl against the Philadelphia Eagles in 2018 oh, on the way to the championship. 
<laughs> when it matters the most. This guy, you know what? I, I'm really considering. This guy's a bum. <laughs> Let's ask Eugenie Bouchard. Uh, what was her favorite Tom Brady highlight? Was it the 28-3 comeback win over Atlanta where she had to go out on a date with the guy from Twitter? Hey, are they still making that movie that no one cares about? I don't know. <laughs> apparently, they're still friends, eh? Apparently, really? they still chat and hang out and stuff, yeah. Yeah, apparently, him and her have been pals ever since. Pals. I'm sure that's what he was looking for. <laughs> A new friend. We've got to get him on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, speaking of the Super Bowl, now the big matchup is set. It's the Bengals against the Rams. And so we'll get your predictions on next week's podcast because we had an extra week in there. But uh, what did you think of the conference finals? This might be the, the best NFL playoffs of all time. I mean, for, for the Bengals to do what they did and come back the way they did against the the team that I think we had all thought was going to be the team to beat from the very beginning. And yes, Manny jumped off that bandwagon real fast in week two and then hopped back on in week 14 and, and was ready to ride them <laughs> into the sunset. They improved their defense. What can I say? <laughs> sure did. But no, for, for them to do that and with that with that kid at quarterback, I mean, he is he is a superstar. I, I'm, I'm all over this kid now. I think that uh, this is his his arrival, and he can be in that conversation with with any of the guys that that you have that are left in the NFL. And then you look at the Rams taking care of business as well. I mean, that's that's a stack team that we've talked about that was built to win those games. Um, uh, that interception gets caught. Lord knows what happens at the end of that game. It's tough to look at this that game under one play, but so many different teams orchestrating all of these late comebacks and all these, these outstanding drives late in games. It's been really, really entertaining. Yeah. John, did you see much of the football? Um, yeah, I did actually watch a lot of that uh, Bengals comeback and see, this is the kind of thing that I'm, I've really enjoyed these games. Um, this is what I always credit the CFL for that a game is never over all that type of stuff. I mean, I love a good comeback and man, was that exciting. He's coming around. He's coming around. Oh, man. Yeah. John's coming <laughs> around. Just, in a couple of weeks, he'll have his Joe Burrow jersey on. Boy. <laughs> Smoking a cigar. Yeah. I got I got some Cubans for you, John. Don't worry about it. <laughs> what do you guys think about the thought that um, after such a big comeback, do you are you able to regroup again? I guess if you have an extra week off, right? I guess it's easier. I, I'm not. I hate the time off. If I'm if I'm them and if I'm those teams, uh, I hate the time off. Like I I think that's the killer. I think you know now this gives. Uh, two very good head coaches, Zach Taylor and Sean McVay, uh, an opportunity to uh, regroup, to really you know dig into just one opponent one last time. It gives them the extra week, which I've never really liked that they do in the NFL. Um, but for the players and the teams, I, I want to get right back at it. I think more or not, more often is the case. And and maybe I'm just, uh, I'm just bitter from, from the 2006 world series, but um, you sitting around is not going to do you any good. And, and especially if you're rolling, if you're if you're on a hot streak, if you're the Bengals who are I think plus eight thousand going into the the season as a as a Super Bowl prediction um, on the the betting lines to win, 
and you're on a roll, you just beat the number one team, the number two team, like you don't want to wait. And I don't, I think this is a bad, uh, bad omen for, for any of those teams that are coming in like this. I, I think the Bengals are so young though. I don't know if they know anything different, right? Led by Joe Burrow. Like you're right. Joe Burrow could be the next Tom Brady. Like the way he's playing in these playoffs has been remarkable. And what I liked from Joe Burrow in the game against Kansas City is on second and third downs when they needed to play, especially third down, not only were there plays where he threw the ball, he ran the ball for a first down, like putting the team on his back and trying to continue drives. But the one thing that really stood out for me was that Cincinnati's defense gave up only three points to Patrick Mahomes and that high-powered offense in the second half. That's remarkable. And as much as Joe Burrow was great, I think the Bengals win that game because of the defense Mm -hmm. and the fact that they stopped Mahomes, got the interception in overtime, and let their kicker do the rest, who's been remarkable. Same thing from the Rams game. The Niners' defense was giving the Rams problems, but then Matt Stafford leads drives to – have the Rams score 13 points in the fourth quarter alone to come back. That, too, was pretty remarkable and great to see from Stafford because being in Windsor, Matt, as you would know this, Detroit Sports Radio has been horrible to Matthew Stafford. And this may be the closest thing that Lions fans get to a Super Bowl because Stafford's in the game. Matthew Stafford's in the Super Bowl and Eminem's playing at halftime. Like this is basically Detroit's Super Bowl. Yes, <laughs> in LA. <laughs> this is it, right? Yeah. Look, Matthew Stafford was always credited for a couple of things in Detroit. He was never given much credit of anything, but a couple of things he was always given credit for was the comeback wins. And why? Because he always had to come back. And sure, you can lead the NFL or set an NFL record for the most comeback wins when you're always behind. Well, he's doing it again with the better team that's NFC champions, and they still need him to come back and win these games late, and he's still doing it. I think Matthew Stafford getting into the Super Bowl is is a beautiful revenge for, for him and, and the way he was treated in Detroit. 100%. The other big football story broke later on Tuesday. Brian Flores, the former coach of the Miami Dolphins, is suing the NFL, the Dolphins, the Broncos, and the Giants. What do you make of this lawsuit? Now, we may even hear more coming out of this story, but here's what we know right now is that he alleges that the owner of the Dolphins was offering $100,000 for every game they lost so they can tank to get the first overall pick in the 2000 draft, which was Joe Burrow. Uh, And he also alleges, Flores also alleges, the owner forced him to try to tamper to get Tom Brady to sign in Miami in the 2000 offseason. And he refused to do that and therefore was considered – not great to work with, which was one of the stories we heard when he was fired after two winning seasons in Miami. Then the story about the Giants, where he got a text from Bill Belichick saying congrats on the Giants job, but he was still, but that was three days before he actually interviewed for the job. 
And Belichick's like, oh, sorry, I thought that was – I was talking to Brian Dable, not Brian Flores, So, which leads everyone to the believe that the Giants had made up their mind before they even interviewed for Flores. Like, this is crazy. And there's some proof that this is legit, even though the NFL says it is going to fight this lawsuit tooth and nail. Like, Brian Flores – on the first day of Black History Month, just <laughs> set the NFL on fire with this storyline. And there's some legitimacy to it. Well, well, nothing's going to come of this because as, as we've all learned, emails and texts from the past don't come back to bite you at all in professional <laughs> sports. <laughs> I'm, I'm intrigued by this one, but I'm waiting for a little bit more. Uh, I will, uh, you can, at this point, and this is, of course, very beginning of everything. So I will certainly follow this story along. But, I mean, the the owner uh, story, I'm, I'm going to need a little more from that to, to really believe that any of that was actually, actually in place and actually offered and, and all of that. Now, the one thing that this, of course, is going to come down to, and, and one of the things that he's bringing up is the race discrimination and, and all of that in the NFL. We all know, and I shouldn't speak for everybody, but I think the Rooney rule is one of the most embarrassing uh, rules, uh, quote unquote, rules uh, that exist in not just sports, but just in, in human society. Um, I don't think it serves any purpose for anybody. And I think whether, you know, Brian Flores in this case is, uh, you know, trying to interview for this gi- Giants job and somebody else has already got it. I think that happens all the time. I think oh, when, yeah. you have a, a, when you have a head coach that loses a, a, a head coaching job, like you're telling me the New Orleans Saints don't have their short list of like, these guys are going to have to really screw this up to not get this job. And we're going to interview these guys, but then we're also going to interview uh, someone of color because we have to and make it feel like they're also in the running for that. Like to me, it's one of the most insulting things you could, the the rules or that it's in place that you could possibly imagine. Like, sure. We'll interview you black man who (laughs) probably isn't going to get this job because we already know who we're going to hire, whether they're black or white. I think it's a terrible, terrible rule. And I know that that's where sort of this challenge is coming from. So I'm interested to see where it goes at this point. I need a little bit more on this owner who's dropping a hundred grand a game to lose with his head coach. But, but it is insulting, Matt. You're right. It's insulting. But the league has to do this rule because no one of color was getting interviewed for these jobs. Like, mm-hmm. like it's insulting that they actually had to do this. It is. Right? Like. You're right. It's insulting. It's an insulting rule that owners as humans can't just look past the color of someone's skin and try to hire the right person for the job. But because we know there's racism in this world, the NFL has to do something, even if it is this dumb rule. Like, I don't see this changing until we see diversity in ownership. Until we see yeah. a black man or um, another um, diverse background owner in the NFL, I think that is when we will start to see change. And the Denver Broncos are now for sale, probably going to be worth $4 billion. But 
until somebody of a diverse background, a diverse culture, an African-American or someone else purchases one of these teams, maybe then we'll start to see change. I think we need diversity and ownership to try to make real change that way. Yeah, and to me, the the idea behind the NFL, and, and you, you bring that up in, in the hiring and needing to find more diversity in their coaching staff, like the NFL every year, there's six or seven head coaching jobs that become vacant. You can't tell me we're just running through all the white guys and we're in the, you're telling me that every year seven guys lose their job and to replace all those, you can't find an African-American man that can be the head coach of a football team. Like why like, isn't Eric the enemy? The NFL is, is ridiculous. So the fact that these guys could just continue to go through uh, the, uh, the, the doldrum of, of hiring these guys that they fire in two years and we have to put in a rule of like, hey, maybe we should start interviewing these guys too. They're they're pretty qualified. Like it, it, the whole thing stinks to me. Yeah. Well, how does Eric Bieniemy not have a job yet? And he's the offensive coordinator for one of the greatest offenses in the NFL today in Kansas City. And I can't imagine how it feels going into an interview that you know is a complete sham, and you have to sit there and pretend that the guy sitting across the table from you isn't a racist and isn't going to pick a white guy over you, even though you're qualified for the job. Yeah, like look at this, and this I want to go a little bit further into this too, whether they they actually do or not. Like the, this Giants job, so they, Bill Belichick congratulates the wrong guy for getting the job. He's got his interview a couple of days from then. Like, what was that interview like? Did he actually go on that? Yeah, was that like forty five minutes at uh, at an In and Out Burger? Like, what was that interview all about? Right, they're like, okay, so uh, by the way, I I, I know, but. <laughs> Right. Let's 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 go get some dinner somewhere. And what are your Brian Flores sitting in that, knowing Bill Belichick to, has just told you they're going to offer it to Dable? And what an exciting moment, eh? Bill Belichick texts you, yeah. congratulations, welcome to the fraternity. Ah, oh, wrong guy. Sorry. Sorry. Terrible. Can you believe what we just saw? This is incredible. You know, guys, I got to be honest. And now it's time for our play of the week and the leading candidate for rookie of the year in the NHL has the honor. Oh, hang on. And there's a lacrosse goal from behind the net from Trevor Zegras <laughs> right off the ensuing wow. faceoff. What? And Montembeau was not ready for that. What a move. How can you be? How can you be? Nobody expects that to happen. And what's so impressive about Zegras is just how casually he picks this puck up like it's nothing and just tucks it into the top corner we knew it was a matter of time john but man oh man has his kid got some hands that is something <laughs> trevor zegris did the michigan and scored a lacrosse style goal against the montreal Canadiens last week and that is our play of the week wait he's not the leading candidate for hang rookie on. of the year he's <laughs> hang, hang on. on a second he's here. not Look. Don't sneak that in and then start playing uh, the clip there, Rashad. <laughs> haven't Cider haven't and Raymond slowed down a little bit there? Awful. It's, if you want to look at who's slowed down, I thought the Anaheim Ducks were a playoff team not that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't they the, the, one of the best teams in the Western Conference for, uh, for a little bit? Hey, Zegris <laughs> is the man. Not only did he 
have a Michigan pass. He now has a Michigan goal. Wild. Wasn't he out? A li- he was out a little further too. Like I didn't think he was going to score from there. He was a little further out than they are sometimes. Like that to me did not look like he was going to score from there. And then all of a sudden, boom. Well, the- no. And the fact that both of them have been mid-flight, no stop. Like th- this isn't just set up, wait, lift the puck up, turn it over. No, no, no. Like he's he's flying through it. It's it's wild. It's pretty cool to see. That's great to see. Our Play of the Week is brought to you by London Awnings, quality that shows. Don't forget, when we do have the highlights for Play of the Week, you'll find that on Twitter and Instagram. Podcast FFC is where you should be looking if you're not following already. But let's be real, you're following already. You that's, where you're gonna, that's where you're getting all your sports information already. We broke the Tom Brady stuff. <laughs> Schefter's calling Manny. I'm sitting in Manny's basement. He, he's he's hanging out in his basement while his wife is shoveling the driveway. <laughs> Manny gets a text <laughs> from from AS on his phone. Oh, oh, it's Adam again. He wants to make sure that uh, the stuff we're posting is right about Brady. Speaking, <laughs> so that's where you're going to find it, anyways. So when you're doing the poll, by the way, when you when you hop on, we'll do the poll. We'll release the poll on Monday. You can vote, and then we uh, post the results here, and uh, and you'll do that on on Wednesday. So. Enjoy that for the play of the week, and all week long, you're going to see Canadian soccer highlights and the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> Not really the Montreal <laughs> Canadiens, but some pretty good football highlights and maybe even some basketball <laughs> now, too. Uh, by the way, uh, Shannon, my wife, was posting on John Rashad's Facebook wall <laughs> yes. about how great this podcast is, but in particular, one host. And it wasn't me, and it wasn't John. So (laughs) we're going to have a few words in the house here. Let's just say that. Yeah. I replied to her and I said, yeah, those other two guys are just hangers on. And then she tried to backtrack. It's not working, honey. Go shovel some more. (laughs) We're, we're getting, we're getting a ton of snow today. Manny's out there actually while Shannon's working, shoveling more snow onto the driveway. (laughs) <laughs> More to clear out. I'm gonna get the snowblower out and just push it back <laughs> onto the driveway. Is, is Manny having a wheel, wheelbarrow and grabbing snow from the neighbor across the street? <laughs> oh man, honey, it's uh, getting a little slick out there. <laughs> <laughs> the neighbors have all got a pool going about when the divorce is gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> great. <laughs> We get one more snowfall. They're done for sure. <laughs> oh, the neighbors are going to join in. They're going to help. They're trying to get the snow off their driveway, too. <laughs> hey, hey, Manny, we got some. <laughs> yes, exactly. It sets up a snow drop-off center. <laughs> the best plowed street in all of Windsor is my street. We'll take your, we'll take your gently used snow. <laughs> Oh, that's good. That's good. (laughs) And uh, this weekend marks uh, the NHL All-Star Weekend in Las Vegas. And Zegras wasn't picked for the game, but he will take part in the Breakaway Challenge. And the NHL has also announced two new outdoor events. There's the Fountain Face-Off, where the players will shoot pucks at a series of targets from the famous Bellagio Fountains. And then there's also 21 and 22, where players must shoot pucks at oversized playing cards to score 21 like Blackjack in the least amount of shots. Do those pique your interest? 
I'll watch the highlights on podcast FFC afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I I like the skill. I think it's I think it's cool to see. Um, it's I, I'm not going to watch I, the, the All Star games for any sport. Don't really do much for me. But I'll I'll watch the highlights of it afterwards. Yeah, I don't watch the games, but I do like the skills competition in the NHL. To me, that's my favorite part of All Star Weekend. Yeah, I'm interested to see how the blackjack works. I think that'd be kind of cool, actually. Um, so I probably will watch that because I don't think I have anything else going on Saturday. So <laughs> I'll probably watch that. But um, I hear you might be looking for a place to stay. Apparently, hey Matt, can I come over? Uh, the uh, and it's cool that they have to take the players out in boats to the middle of the Bellagio fountains yeah. to shoot. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's kind of interesting. I, I like that they're taking advantage of their location to try something yeah. new, right? Yeah. And taking, you know, everybody knows the Bellagio fountains. Even if you haven't been to Vegas, you know of the fountains. You can visually picture them. So I like that they're trying to pique some interest in using Vegas's prominent um prominent features to try to work that into the all-star weekend yeah it's cool for sure vegas vegas does it better than anybody yeah we were there for my honeymoon and we were actually overlooking the bellagio fountains and so i'm kind of cool to see how that works out so i'll watch sure are you ready And now it's time for Rapid Fire, and we're going to start with a listener question about hockey. Jen in Huntsville sent us a message about Carey Price, who still wants to play this season for the Montreal Canadiens. And Jen asks, should Price play this season, or should he just sit out for the year? Well, he's rehabbing that knee injury, and he also went to um, that addictions treatment facility for 30 days, um, which I which I thought was great and I'm glad that he came out and said that and wasn't just re talking about rehabbing his knee. I'd rather he not play, like try to get a hundred percent as much as possible, but he is an athlete. He is a player and you know how athletes are. They're wired to get back on the field or in this case, get back on the ice. I think he is going to play. I understand that he's skating right now with the Montreal Canadiens. He's not really practicing, but skating. But this is a write-off of a season for Montreal. Carey, just take a break. and Just sit out the rest of the year and ensure that Montreal has the best chance to get the first overall pick. If I, if I was Jeff Gordon, how crazy would this sound? I'd find a way in his contract that I'd be able to fine him if he came on the ice and played him again. <laughs> I would, every, every save he made... I would dock him 25 bucks or something. You're going to be the owner of the <laughs> Dolphins and fine him 100K yeah. to tank? Fine him. I'm finding him. A, I'm finding a grand to save. <laughs> no, get, you know what? I'm, I'm 100% with you. Get healthy because, look, whether you get the first overall pick or not next year, Montreal ain't going to be very good either. So they're going to need him, and they're going to have to ride him pretty good. He's going to face a ton of shots. There is no point in coming back this year. This is... To me, this, if I'm a Montreal Canadiens fan, uh, oh my God. But if I'm a Montreal Canadiens fan, I, I couldn't imagine wanting to get this guy in for any other reason other than to win a few games, and that's just going to put you in a worse spot when it comes when it comes to the draft day. So no, get, I, I'd fine him if he was in a game. 
But do you not have any um, sort of empathy for his point of view, maybe just wanting to get in, feel some shots, get connected to the team, and sort of feel like he's a part of things again before the season next year? Because if he waits all the way through the offseason, that's a long time that he's kind of been away from competitiveness. He might not be on the ice, but he can hang out with the team still. And, yeah, that's and, true. and feel bonded with the team, right? And, you know, you can skate with the team, you can take part in practices, but if you're not 100%, Stay, stay out yeah, of the game. Montreal's been playing with their third, fourth, and fifth string goalies for most of the season because Jake Allen's been hurt. Like, it's a write-off already. Just take it easy. And we received a few messages and emails after last week's debate about Barry Bonds and his Hall of Fame resume. If you missed the debate, go back and listen to episode 97. A few people didn't agree with our takes that Bonds should be kept out of the Hall. But there was one question from Sebastian in Toledo who asked if we think Bonds will get in when the Today's Game Committee votes. You know, we got a lot. We got a good fan base in Toledo. Can we just uh, take a, a quick time out there? We're we're probably like top 30 podcasts in Toledo right now. Yeah, I think they know we're Tigers fans, right? So, yeah, yeah, they know we're Tigers fans. I think you owe uh, a couple of bills still at uh, a few of the establishments, don't you, Manny? <laughs> well, I know the one manager from the uh, Toledo Tourism Association, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> also also home of the most expensive diet Pepsi I've ever yes. seen purchased. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Inside stories. Inside stories. Well, are you going to tell the story? <laughs> well, what do you think about Barry Bonds, Manny? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, listen, I do think Barry Bonds will likely get in from the Today's Game Committee. I think there's 16 members. I think you need like 12 to confirm somebody's membership into the hall from that committee. And I think there's probably enough people on the committee that think Barry Bonds should get into the hall. So I'm going to say yes, that he will. I'm still, I'm still upset about it. And all these fans who say, you know, he represents the steroid era of baseball. I don't think that's something to be proud about. You know, that's, that's still cheating and against the rules in the game. There are rules in the game for a reason. And I still don't like the fact that we're talking about Barry Bonds getting in ahead of Pete Rose, the all-time leader in hits in Major League Baseball. Agreed. And and I always find baseball's Hall of Fame, this, this it's so weird the way they do it. You're on the ballot for 10 years. You don't get in. But then there's another committee that can decide if those 10 years don't really count and put you in anyways. It doesn't make any sense. And I agree. I think they're going to put him in. And what for me, the what I'm going to follow over the next few years is, okay, if he's going in, then who are you keeping out? Because we've kept 10 to 15 guys out of the Hall of Fame for the same reasons. So one year, are you telling me that there's going to be eight guys getting into the Hall of Fame and they're all going to have to go up there and deliver speeches about how much it means to them to be? No, because they're all bitter that they weren't in there anyways. If you put Roger Clemens in the Hall of Fame or if you put Kurt Schilling in the Hall of Fame, they may not even show up. 
realistically, they may not even show up. What's Barry Bonds going to say in a speech at the Hall of Fame day when everybody's out on a beautiful day outside and, and watching the in the that that grassy knoll that they've got, uh, where you're showing Cooperstown, New York. They just played the game the day before. It's a beautiful, sunshiny day, and Barry Bonds is going to come up and talk about just how great baseball's been to him and how what an honor. And no, he's not. So it's going to be insulting putting these guys in the day they go in. So don't bother. But I, I tend to agree. I, I think he's going to go in, and I think the whole lot's going to go with him. And I feel bad for the guys like David Ortiz and and the other ones that will have to get bunched into this in the, over the next couple of years that they're going to have their Hall of Fame day over uh, or, or underexposed because you're also going to be on the Barry Bonds ticket. Yeah, I think if Bonds goes in, then you've got to put in Sosa and McGuire now, right? I mean, they had one of the All greatest of, home run chases ever. So you got to put them in, yeah. It's... That's what I mean. One year, you just, in five years, just knock it out. Just put them, put them all in. Put Rafael Palmero oh. in, even though he shouldn't be in there to begin with. <laughs> put put Roger no. Clemens, Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, like you said, Manny uh, or Mark uh, Rashad, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa. Put them all in in one year so we can all ignore it, give them their own wing, uh, make their plaques out of out of – some other material that's not necessarily <laughs> copper or whatever they make the material, make it out of cardboard and just kind of leave them there. Put them behind those those old shutter doors that you used to see at the movie theaters when you go to the, the movie theater, where you go to the video store where all the, the nudie movies were. Uh, put them in that little corner and be like, this is your wing. You can stay in here. People are going to come in here and ch- check. They're going to peek. They're, they're going to feel a little bit embarrassing, embarrassed coming out of there, but they went and saw the Barry Bonds cardboard plaque. <laughs> and then you do the ceremony on February 29th in a leap year, or you do it on like April 1st on April Fool's Day or something. Just to, yeah, just to bury really... it. Do it. Do it at the same time as the Super Bowl. Just <laughs> bury it so no one pays attention. <laughs> Absolutely no one. You know, February 13th at 6 o'clock, come and sit outside at Cooperstown, New York, and watch the Baseball Hall of Fame inductions. <laughs> Let's see. For the halftime show, I have either the halftime show at the game, the Puppy Bowl, or I got the Hall of Fame inductions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which, one, which one are you going to watch? Will the Puppy Bowl get a larger audience than the steroid era induction? <laughs> 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 and then there was also a report on Tuesday that the latest negotiations between the baseball players and the owners didn't go well. Uh, Michael and Chatham sent us an email and wondered if we think there will be a season and when. Well, I think we've all agreed that we think it's going to cut into spring training, but they're they're going to get a deal done to start the season on time. I still believe that. I don't know about you guys, but I still think it's going to happen. Yeah, I agree. I still think that's the timeline. And I think I thought all along we were going to have some of these starts and stops where things don't go well. And then it comes right down to the 11th hour and they salvage it at the last minute. They have an overnight session leading into a couple of days before. And it's how it always goes. It comes to like some last overnight session right at the 11th hour and they come up with a deal that nobody's completely happy with. Agreed. The The only thing that uh, that we can talk about right now that's positive uh, even though it's negative is that they're at least talking they're at least having meetings that's the best we can ask for i'm i'm the same with you Rashad. and and somewhere down the line i think both sides know what the end game is going to look like for this 
I think both sides are going to be unhappy with what this looks like, but both sides realize what we've been through over the last couple of years and what that sport has been through and what those poor owners and their budgets have been through. And, and they're going to get something done that no one's going to be happy about. And in four years or whatever this deal is going to be, we're going to talk about this again. But this is going to be, it's going to get done eventually. It's going to be, I still think, late February when they get this done. I think we're going to have like maybe two weeks of spring training games and, and off we go. I'm starting to think it's going to cut into to April. And fellas, did you know that February is Great American Pie Month? So I'll throw something at you out of left field. What is your greatest pie going? See, this is all about the peanut butter debate last week. That's mm. right. You're, you we got know. a lot of reaction to that. So now we got to keep it going. Mm-hmm. A pie. <laughs> What's your, well, Rashad, you're the foodie. Well, see, my problem is I got three and I can't decide. So should I let you guys go sure. first or should I rattle no, off my three? No, but what's your top three? Okay, cherry pie is my favorite. Then I got to go lemon meringue. Oh. I really like a good lemon meringue pie. And then something I hadn't had until I think a year or two ago, key lime. I never thought I would like it, but I kind of like it. Kind of like it. No, it's in your lime. top three. <laughs> key lime, you got to get you got to get the right key lime. Yes. You gotta get the right ones because I've had some bad key lime pie. Like it's that's an interesting list. Key lime jumped over like apple and pumpkin and yeah. blueberry for you. Like, well, I've never been a big pie guy, so I kind of like the sort of the sweeter, less pie ones of the mm-hmm. bunch, like the lemon meringue, and that's why I like key lime. So out of a traditional pie, cherry is my favorite. But yeah, a pumpkin I can't stand. I hate pumpkin pie. Rashad's always been more of an American pie guy. <laughs> yes he is <laughs> we'll just tell mom we ate it <laughs> what's your pie Matt <laughs> oh my god I'm just thinking uh, about that Eugene Levy right we're talking about how the hangover needs to spin soon enough that one needs another spin um, cherry pie number one for sure I'm with you on that one, Rashad. I'm going to go blueberry, number two. And, and I'm going to go strawberry rhubarb, three. Oh. Wow. See, that that's yeah. another one where you got to get it right. You got to get the right amount of sugar so it's not you too do. bitter. But you want it just yeah. a little bit bitter. You do for sure. Yeah, that, that, one's, that one's an art form. But a good, a good strawberry rhubarb pie, for sure. My grandpa... Uh, who is up in, in your uh, neck of the woods there, Rashad. Yep. He has, so last time we were talking, he has a regular go-to pie in the fridge. He always just has a pie in there. So <laughs> like his neighbors and stuff that that keep an eye on him and take care of him, and, and when he's out running around and stuff, they just throw in pies for Roger. So he's he had a peach pie going the last day. He had a blueberry pie going at the the other one. And so I'm opening my fridge and just kind of snacking on uh, on Cheerios or something like that every once in a while. He's just slicing himself a piece of pie. He's just got that, that just an, an easy pie uh, delivery service up there. He's got it made. So go go see him, Rashad, next time you're in a big city. Your grandfather nice, yeah. has the is like me, the key to my heart. There, like I I would just go into the fridge and grab a slice of pie all the time. Beautiful. Number three is blueberry for me, which you guys okay. mentioned. Number two is peach pie. Mm, yeah. Grandma Lamb's peach pie. Grandma Lamb's. Up there in the Owen Sound area. And number one, lemon meringue pie. 
I'm, wow. I'm glad you mentioned All that, right. Rashad, because not a lot of people mention lemon meringue pies no, when they talk about pies. One. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. <laughs> wow. I'm bringing one over for the Super Bowl. Bring two, because one Bring won't a- be enough. <laughs> <laughs> At our rate, somebody will be wearing it by the end of the <laughs> quarter anyways. My Randall Cunningham poster. Yeah, it'll be wearing it. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, we have a series of new songs for Pump It or Dump It. I don't think people have been liking our selections as of late. So no. Pete from Petrolia sent us this submission. This song is called One Right Now by Post Malone and The Weeknd. So for Pete, guys, pump it or dump it. Everybody must know that you're a Weeknd fan. Like, they've been listening yeah. to the show, and because we've had a lot of Weeknd submissions more than once on this podcast. Mm, he gets a lot of spin here. Big fan of the show, too. He's, he's always oh, yeah? messaging you. you and Him and Adam Schefter, <laughs> always messaging Manny when I'm over at his place. Yeah, he says he's going to come to the pool party this summer. So, <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Oh. I'll bring a lemon meringue. <laughs> bring, a little poolside lemon meringue. Bring more than one. <laughs> do you, do you, I dig it. You like that song? I dig it. I, I, uh, this is this is prime post Malone for me. This is prime weekend for me. I like both their voices. This is a smooth song. This is a great little pool song for you right here. I'm 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 in Pete. Pete, we're back. We're back in the saddle, Pete. John, good choice. Yeah, I agree. I love this song. You love, love it. it. it every time. Yeah, love I it. think it's a great song. You both love yeah. it. Love yeah. it. Wow. See, I say pump it, but I'm not. I I don't use the love word. Like this is this is a like pump it. I like it. I'm not totally in love with it, but I like it. So we're all we're all pumping it though. This is yeah. This is ends like the four week losing streak here for songs, or except for you, Matt and Encanto and whatever the hell. Oh man, <laughs> we listen to that song daily. It's just number number one, number one. Oh man, <laughs> number one. Well, Crosley uh, has a video game where he plays Bruno, right? He loves he loves Bruno, right? Crosley thinks he's Bruno, and and in saying that, he, I'm not sure if he means the character from the movie or John's dog. I was going to say which is he- which. By the way, we need some more pictures okay. because <laughs> Crosley wants to see what the what the big man's been up to. I was going to say, it's is amazing. he hiding in your walls or going outside to the go to the bathroom? Like, I don't know what, what, uh, what's that mean? Uh, it was so it was, funny one weekend, Matt say, texts me and goes, you got to send me some pictures of Bruno. Crosley's killing me or he's, he's dying for pictures of your dog. So I sent you about 12 yep. <laughs> and now you need more. We need it. We need a more. Let's just, let's just say between, uh, between our two Brunos, it's nice that you got the one that's potty trained. <laughs> He's only four. He'll get the hang of it one day. <laughs> oh, and on that note. <laughs> I feel like a real cheap Diet Coke and some lemon meringue pie. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Who was it? What, what was his name? Sebastian. Sebastian and Toledo. We're on our way. <laughs> <laughs> Some people go to Chicago. We go to Toledo. <laughs> Thriving metropolis, that is. <laughs> and that ends another lively debate. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Sorry, I was just having some lemon meringue pie and thinking about <laughs> trips to Toledo for Diet Cokes. Uh, we won the coin flip this weekend, so it means hey. it means the OT will be back on Friday, baby. That's right. OT, second show of the week. We're going to have a special guest. Mark Woolley from the Owen Sound Attack is scheduled to join us to talk about his charity, his hockey career, and how the two are going to come together later this month at Owen Sound. Yes, we will explain on the next edition of the OT. So stay tuned for the release coming up on Friday. That's right. And in the meantime, remember, you can follow us on social media for more debate and great content and uh, lots of soccer highlights coming up. Um, Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram for future considerations on Facebook. What's your pie list? What's your go-to pie list, people? Send us your comments. Send us your questions. Send us the topics. Email as well. We got a Gmail address. It's for future considerations at gmail.com. It's the damn title of the podcast. For future considerations at gmail.com. Send us, send us some love. Let's go. We want to thank our sponsors on the episode, London Awnings, Quality That Shows, and Shane Topolovic of Next Level Athletics in Windsor, specializing in sport training and nutrition. I don't know if pies make his list of nutritious meals, but we'll try to convince him either way. <laughs> I, I think he's. I think he's got a pie list. I think he's. I think he's got a pie list. Well, we'll get his too, so we can we can go over that. But hey, guys, thanks for listening. It was great to, to have you here. It's great to be back. Looking forward to the OT. It's a big one. The Warren Sapp episode. <laughs> episode 99. <laughs> that's, the, that's who we were going with. That's who we were going with, right? Yeah, the first, well, yeah, no, first no athlete brainer, that right? comes to mind. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. First, <laughs> 99, the Warren Sapp episode. <laughs> All right. Friday, the OT, Mark Woolley, coming up. Enjoy. Thanks for listening to For Future Considerations. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their M.O. for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. It's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.